a scale of one to ten, how excited are you for this weekend? I might poop myself once they touch gloves. They With touch that gloves. being said, <laughs> what's going on, guys? Your boy Elroy here, and welcome back to the Your Boy Elroy MMA podcast. I am your host. <laughs> Josh Prepbegin, and I'm here with my good buddy, Andre Rodriguez. Andre, what's going on? Man? What's going on, <laughs> So you were saying <laughs> you might yeah, poop yourself. Yeah, I might poop myself as soon as the bell rings or wh- whatever when they say, here we go. All right, so we'll leave that as a cliffhanger. And uh, let us talk about some news that happened this weekend. Not a lot, just a, a couple few things. Um... There were some injuries, some fallouts for fights. Uh, the two notable ones that we're going to talk about is Eddie Alvarez. This guy just can't catch a break, Kenny. <laughs> no, man, that was unfortunate. Yeah, so he's out of his one championship title fight. Yeah, um, big one too. Do you expect? I mean, Eddie Alvarez is not a, you know, he's not somebody to just be out of something if he wasn't legitimately hurt. Yeah. So do you do you expect him to get that first shot? I do, cause I think he earned his spot there. Um, the hard part is just a uh, guy said or Saigid, whatever his name is. Like the dude is a monster. Yeah. But this leaves an interesting spot for Eddie because he has the opportunity to prove just how good he is because he's either going to be facing. This monster or the current lightweight champion. Mm-hmm. So either way, like, he should get the shot next. But stylistically, I like the matchup between him and Christian Lee. Um, Christian's not, like, a heavy puncher, but he's really well-rounded. And Eddie's well-rounded himself. But with Saigit, it's just he's got dynamite in both hands. You just don't know what will drop you if it hits you, so. But, I mean, hey, they're still going to put on a great performance, and I don't know if this is for the title. I don't think they announced that, but it would be pretty interesting for it to be. Yeah, Eddie's a legend. Nobody can really say anything about him uh, falling out of this fight, and I expect him to come back even stronger. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. You know, those injuries suck. Yeah, especially when you spent five, six weeks already in camp. You got two left, and out of nowhere, just blow your knee out or something. It's terrible. Yeah, so another awful injury. Um, unfortunate for her. You know, she was supposed to be on the card this weekend in yeah. a uh, undercard bout. Holly Holm fell out. Yeah. Uh, something, some ligament, you know, I don't I don't know if it was a tear. But um, I've, for her to call out again another one that she has nothing to prove and it was a rematch against Raquel Pennington yeah I mean and she beat her so what can you do yeah I know that she was there more for the draw to the fans of Australia you know she became a star in Australia like a global superstar in that arena she beat the the Ronda Rousey yeah so let's touch on that because since it is in the same arena you know it is renamed it is marvel stadium now it was eddie hat stadium yeah uh let's go back to that day you know holly home versus ronda rousey um i want to hear your expect i think i told my story my holly home story here plenty of times i want to hear your expectations leading up to and then that that night like what you came out thinking like Ronda Rousey versus Holly Holm. As soon as it was announced, what'd you think? Honestly, I, it was a toss-up for me. I didn't even want to watch the fight because I was too afraid of the outcome, right? Because you kind of had hopes that Holly Holm would probably beat her by a knockout. And, you know, Ronda's, like, on all these talk shows, and, you know, she's doing a bunch of interviews, talking about stuff that had nothing to do with the fight. And then... Out of nowhere, you kind of get the feeling like, is she that good? Like, is she going to just take Holly down and just finish her by armbar? Or what's going to happen? And I had no idea what happened until the ESPN notification that she got knocked out. And I was like, what? (laughs) (laughs) It it wasn't – the shock and awe didn't hit me until I actually saw the head kick. And then I had to watch the entire fight to actually see how that occurred 
how she set it up, and it was just a masterful performance. I, I was speechless almost because she took a once dominant fighter and a fighter that seemed almost unbeatable and completely dispatched her. And it was one of the most incredible things I've ever seen. It was better than Weidman versus Anderson. And you, everybody knows that that in itself was pretty crazy. Because even before that left hook, like, he had taken him down and started beating him up with the ground and pound. And people were like, wait, like, Anderson's getting, like, tossed around right now. But, you Heartbreaker know, for me. You know, oh, I, yeah. Like I said, with the ho- same with the Holly Holm story, the Anderson Silva. What a heartbreaking night for me. Yeah, and, and it's tough, too, because a lot of people would have thought, like, Anderson just would have dominated this young American guy. But, like, the same thing with Holly. Just, it, it continues to prove that in MMA, like you said, you know, this week, anything can happen. We really don't know what can occur in a fight because a lot of things play into it. You can be a masterful striker, but if your chin's out in the air, it doesn't matter how masterful you are. Your chin's not a master of striking, mm. and it can only take so much pressure. So, yeah. Dude, but overall, listen, psh, great fight. Listen to this card. Um, this is November 14th, 2015. Main event, Holly Holm versus Ronda Rousey. Co-main event, Joanna Young-Jacek versus Valerie Letourneau. Um, and then keep going, Mark Hunt versus Bigfoot Silva. Robert Whitaker versus Uriah Hall. Jared Roshaw versus Stefan Struve. Jake Matthews was on the card. Kyle Noak was on the card. John Vellante is on the card. Um, and then Daniel Kelly. We already know why he was there. Um, Richard Walsh. I haven't seen that name in a long time. A former tough alum, if I yeah, I believe. He was a good guy, too, man. Really good fighter. Yeah, and then the canceled fight. The whole reason Holly and Ronda was there was Robbie Lawler versus Condit fell out. Yeah. So, um, interesting names on that card. I I believe Jake is Jake Matthews on this one as well. He might be. I, yeah, I mean, I, I think him and Robert Whitaker are the only ones that are returning. Yeah. To yeah. that stadium. So that was, like I said, that was something that I called. It was a fantastic outcome i have the picture there and it's so crazy because i had the choice between the photo of ronda getting punched in the face or the head kick photo yeah Uh, the head kick photo is just too heartbreaking even though i called it that i had to just get the punch in the face it's still as iconic i'll never forget holly's um reaction to the knockout yeah, she, even she was surprised. Like yeah. When she went down, she was like, boom, boom. And then she was like, wait, I did it. Vicious strikes. And I just remember how happy she was. She was crying. like, And it kind of like hit me hard. I was like, wow, this girl really did it. I was in a house full of Ronda Rousey fans. Like, yeah. My house was packed with everybody just rooting for Ronda. And I'm there like, yo, watch this Holly chick. Like, be careful. No joke, yeah. And then there it goes. Boom. I mean, hey, I can relate because when Stipe fought DC, DC again, everybody in my house is like, yeah, the little guy's going to win. It don't matter if he's small. He he got power. He going to knock him out. And I'm like, no, it's the third round. Stipe's not down. He hasn't been hurt. Mm-hmm. He's going to get messed up. And I, and, I, and I looked at somebody. I forgot who it was. And I was like, don't forget the left hook to the liver. And what happened fourth round? Boom, boom, boom. And DC was just like, uh-oh, body shutting down. Did you ever get to hear the uh, the interview that DC did with Ariel Hawani like a week or two ago where he spoke about the fight? Yeah, I heard a little bit. He just didn't make the right adjustments and he got caught. Yeah, know? it's crazy. when It's so crazy to hear when fighters say that they, they didn't listen to their coach. It's a scary thing because you got to think about it. Like you're spending – six to eight hours almost 10 hours for some guys a day with somebody to prepare to destroy someone if you're not listening to this person that you spent the pretty much your entire career with let's let's be honest i mean there's something wrong there you have to trust your coach i mean he's not going to tell you something that you know that is stupid and it's going to put you in a in a compromising position you know like yeah sometimes we end up getting like an edmund 
but not everybody's an Edmund. And you have to think about who DC's coaches are. I mean, come on, Javier Mendez has had a camp full of champions for a long time. And if not, have had the best of the best. I mean, even listing the names is, will be an episode, you know, all on its own. But, it, it, you know, he, I feel that this third fight, maybe if he listens to his coach, maybe he'll have a chance. But I don't know. It, it's it's a tough thing to think about. Yeah, I mean, if you go back to those first, what, three rounds. He was I mean, clearly he was, winning. He was clearly winning. He he had the right mindset, and then he just, you know, you can only take so many shots. And then Stipe making that masterful adjustment. You know, we have we have a category in our awards where it's like biggest turnaround. Yeah. And uh, the two right off the back, Stipe versus DC, and then that uh, Henry Cejudo turnaround <sighs> against Marlon Marais. So there's, you know, so far some heavy hitters. We have a huge, huge amount of cards still left in the year. But, um, dude, that was that was massive. Those those body shots, I mean, those things looked painful. <laughs> and they make a difference in a fight. I mean, a lot of people don't think so, but you, you have to think about it. If you've prepared for eight weeks to fight a guy, are you going to really show that you're in pain? No, you want to win the fight. You're not going to be like, oh, God, that hurt. But... You know, after a couple, DC was like, ugh, ugh. And Steve Bay said it. I heard him wincing. It's, you know, the, you really can't, your liver can't take that much damage. So, But that that's the beauty of MMA. Like we said, we don't know what's going to happen all, every time. And, you know, like you said, the first three rounds was very definitive. Mm-hmm. If he wouldn't have got hit with those body shots and just got maybe two, two or three takedowns, he would have won that fight clearly. Yeah, for certain. So let's move on to... uh. Something that I thought was pretty funny. This guy is no stranger to like interesting interviews and comments. Gegard Musasi. Yeah. So, um, the reason I have it here is because we have no reason to talk about the fight. Yeah. But um, his comments at the press conference after the fight. Obviously, he won the fight. And I want to read to you some of the things that he said. Uh, the headline on Bloody Elbow being. Gegard Mousasi vows to kill Bellator champ Rafael Lovato Jr. in the rematch. Retires if he loses. So um, he says <laughs> he plans to uh, – Gegard plans to enter the rematch with his head straight. Lovato has no chance of beating me. Um, he says, next fight I'm going to kill him. I swear to God, if I don't knock him out, I don't count it as a victory. I know what I can do. He will die. Literally. You will see. I will knock him out. A hundred percent. I guarantee you that. If I lose, I retire. I promise you. I'm not kidding. I'm not trying to sell a fight. I know what I can do. Next fight will be extra special because I'm going to be an extra special boy. (laughs) What do you think of that? Just it's, that part. It's amazing. <laughs> he, I, I love his confidence. And look, he's proven that he's come back really strong in rematches. But hey, listen, man. That's hilarious. <laughs> if you thought that was funny, take a peek at this. That guy looked like a horse. That's not even a little bit of steroids. That's like monkey steroids. <laughs> everyone knows he was on steroids people call me a bad loser maybe i am a little bit maybe i should have beat him my head wasn't in it i effed up myself so i'm blaming myself but the juice helped him also at the weigh-in his nipples were as hard as a woman go watch it i'm not kidding or trying to be funny or something his nipples were twice as he could have given milk to a baby. <laughs> That's crazy. I mean, look, man, Lovato's a big dude, six foot three. I mean, the guy's massive, but damn, like when I when I did look back and you saw the difference, like yo, he had a huge size advantage on Gegard. Yeah, but I mean, to say that the man's been on steroids, I mean, it's a little far fetched. He's just naturally a big guy. He's like Luke Rockhold. 
Luke Rockhold is a huge dude. We saw him at 205, and he looked like a monster. Yep. Unfortunately for him, uh, <laughs> his chin. He didn't. Yeah, he didn't was do as too soft well. as a pillow. <laughs> All right, so here comes some quick hits. Uh, Paige Van Zant gets her own shoe this week, which I thought was pretty cool. She's teaming yeah. up with uh, Athletican. Yeah, uh, just some Instagram company, like, um, and she gets her own shoe. So, being true to what she said, she makes more posting on Instagram than she does fighting. Yeah. Um. Some AEW notes, if if you don't know, AEW is a new company that started last night. was their first show on TNT. Um, Jake Hager, Bellator heavyweight, um, quote-unquote contender, um, he joined at the end of the show, so he was the big surprise. And the cool thing, um, TNT having one championship on their platform. Kenny Omega wears a one championship shirt. So Kenny Omega, uh, not dual, but uh, he's he's like a citizen in Japan, uh, the United States, as well as Canada. Wow, that's really cool. <laughs> so uh, he carries that Asian culture very close to his heart, and uh, I don't believe that this was just some product placement. I think that he actually watches the product. That's so awesome. So shout out to Kenny Omega for that. Let's talk about ADCC. Um Andre, can you sell to the listeners ADCC if they don't know? Yeah, so ADCC is basically the Olympics of um, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. It's a tournament with many weight classes, and there is a format where if you get into the championships and you win gold, you also have the opportunity to enter into the absolutes. Now, the absolutes is an open weight tournament round well, a series of rounds in which the best guys at their weight class face each other to get the absolute championship. Um, now, there have been many notable names that have won the absolutes. Um, I can name a few. You know, one of them is Gordon Ryan, Andre Galvao. I mean, I think Gabby Garcia as well, some of them. But, you know, it's it's a very, very tough tournament. Uh, some of the best jiu-jitsu players in the world and even some MMA fighters enter, um, but only the best of the best will end up winning. And it's not it's not easy, you know, because uh, you'll have anywhere scale of purple belts who are really good that have great wrestling get to the finals and they'll face the six-degree black belt Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu who's been training for 50 years. I mean, it's, it's a crazy tournament, but it's very entertaining to watch. Oh, my God, so entertaining. Uh, people like Jacare, Mackenzie Dern. Phew. You know, legends in jiu-jitsu who have transitioned now to MMA, what we cover. Um, We have people like Gary Tonin this week, Nicky Ryan, Nick Rodriguez. You know, you had Cyborg. Dude, the list, the the path that um, Nick Rodriguez had to take to get to where he was is incredible. Yeah. Like, him finishing last, like, he even proved, like, why he did, like, or um, not finishing last, finishing second. Yeah. He he already, like, is working on correcting him his mistake. I think that he'll probably take first in two years. Yeah. I, the scary thing is he's so young. Wait till he hits black belt. That'll probably be in three or four years. When that happens, forget about it. He'll be dominating everybody. I mean, the dude's a monster. And then... To, to top it all off, everybody's like, oh, well, he's been wrestling for years. John Danaher was like, guys, stop. He was a D3 wrestler. That means this guy is just born to do this. He's yeah. a monster. He's fantastic. I mean, look, it, he you, his style of grappling is one of my favorites. It's the aggressive body lock passing style. And, you know, his scrambles are incredible. It's not just a body lock pass. It's not just his strength. He's very nimble and very agile for a guy his size. I mean, that's why he was giving all those jiu-jitsu guys trouble because it's not all the time that they have to face somebody with that level of athleticism and speed. And he's young, so he's not going anywhere. These guys are at the end of their road, especially a guy like Cyborg. But I also understand why he was upset that he lost. I mean, to spend almost 20-plus years doing jiu-jitsu... Being a champion. To lose to a blue belt. To lose to a freaking blue belt. A D3 wrestling blue belt. That's bad. 
But that just goes to show, like, I don't know what the hell it is, but Danaher, he creates monsters. Yeah, so let's talk about one of those monsters. You know, winning his weight division, dominating the absolute. Um, I think I told you this when, when we met for the Zed interview. There's a stat out there that once Gordon Ryan took the back, he never lost it. Yeah, there's no such thing. <laughs> Dude, Gordon Ryan looked fantastic in his weight class. He beat the Hulk. He um he ended up facing Buchecha in the finals of the Absolute. It was fantastic to follow. I I was saying this was some of the most fun following of all time. Like I think in two years' time, when the ADCC rolls back around, I'm gonna get that flow grappling subscription for that time just to watch the matches because don't get me wrong they do a lot on instagram to push it like they do very well marketing this event but i need to see the full matches they were fantastic yeah i mean look uh the absolutes you have to think about it this way if you can get to the finals you're one of the greatest jiu-jitsu players out there because you're literally facing some of the best to get there, your game has to be on a level that is just different than everybody else. And that's what Gordon is like. Listen, people think, oh, Gordon's just a leg locker. Nope. His back take, like, system that he has from Danaher, it's unlike anything I've ever seen before. Look what he did to Gary Tonin. Yeah, and we're talking about Gary Tonin. And they're friends. Yeah. I mean, the one thing I respected is that he put out a highlight on his Instagram, but Gary Tonin wasn't in in it mm-hmm. and i respected that so much because he was like listen man like it was one of the hardest things i've ever had to do but sometimes you have to do it as competitors and at the end of the day those dudes went right back to training after yep it's it's insane they're already training yeah everybody's in the beach like gordon said but they're back in the gym working on the mistakes that they made but you know i wanted to touch on one thing that gordon you know ryan did that blew me away this man used a straight arm bar sweep on the Buchecha, <laughs> okay? It was so bad that when Buchecha was getting swept, he realized that he got swept and couldn't do anything about it. I don't, it was like, it was a, it was a, how do I put it for people so they can understand? He caught his arm, and once he took Buchecha's posture away, he slowly used his left leg and elevated Buchecha and just rolled until he got on top of Buchecha in full mount. It was one of the most incredible sweeps I've ever seen. I I don't even know how the hell that worked, but it did. And um, that just goes to show you just how good Gordon is. I mean, the man is getting stronger by the month. I mean, he's getting bigger. And I don't really think... Other than Nick Rodriguez, I don't think we're ever going to see anybody else dominate like that. Yeah, so let's let's just touch on – we cannot talk about ADCC without talking about Lachlan Giles. Uh, the under-77 yeah. KG. Um, so I think he lost in the first round of his weight class. Um, here's the story. Apparently, the ADCC brass – called out and said hey we need more competitors for the absolute so out of nowhere Lachlan Giles a part of the smallest weight class in the men's division says I'll do it rolls through Muhammad Ali yes you heard that right the guy's name is Muhammad Ali (laughs) um I believe Buchecha or no no Buchecha was on the other side um, Muhammad Ali, it was, there were like three names that he heel hooked all of them. Yeah. The last one being Canyon Duarte, the, the biggest weight class of the men's, the one who beat Nicky Rod yeah. in the, in the finals, he like heel hooked him as well. So crazy. He ended up losing obviously to Gordon Ryan. Yeah. But, dude, what a run for that guy. Out of nowhere, too. He was the story of ADCC other than Gordon and Nick. But, yeah, let's face it, like, Lachlan did something that a lot of people didn't think he could do. Yeah, so, I mean, we talked about uh, Gordon Ryan previously last week. So, I think this is 
cause for to continue to follow these guys. Yeah. Because man, they are like this is so interesting to me. Everything that they do is fantastic. Yeah, I mean, look, jujitsu at one point, it was just a system where you, you know, you took your opponent down, passed the guard, you went for a submission, and if you were successful, you were successful. But now it's different. The game, there's so many uh, different metas inside of jujitsu. There's heel hooks. There's the body lock passing. There's, you know, the smash passing. There is, you know, the back taking. Um, Bear and Bolo. I mean, there's so many things. The X guard, the Z guard. I mean, there's so many things that people become masters at. But the beauty of, you know, John Danaher is that he's a master of all of them. And his pupils are too. And that's why they continue to dominate. I mean, look, in the beginning, who was the real dominant, like, force in jiu-jitsu? It was 10th Planet Jiu-Jitsu. Because mm-hmm. they were weird. They were doing stuff that people didn't understand. You had a guy where you would shoot in for a takedown and he'd be like, okay. When you shot in, he put you in mission control or rubber guard for people who know. And they would just do weird stuff with their legs. And then you'd just be like, what do I do now? I'm stuck. And then guys like Gordon, Ryan, and Nikki Ryan, they would just be like, what the hell is this? Like, this is nothing. I'm just going to heel hook you. And started dominating. So now you're seeing this evolution of different guys coming in and out of Henzo Gracie's that are just dominating competition because of the fact that Danaher is turning them into machines. And, you know, obviously the two best, you know, examples of that aside from Gordon Ryan is Nikki Rodriguez and Nikki Ryan. These guys are so young. Nikki Ryan's not even 18 yet, and he's already a purple belt. And that's because Danaher has just taken – like his mind and has changed everything like on what they thought jujitsu was that's why gordon is who he is now because when you saw him in previous matches like when he was much younger and much smaller you know he would win but not in the way that he would now he would just catch people in heel hooks or lock in a triangle but he'd struggle in those matches against the bigger guys and danaher was just like let's switch let's switch up your game let's put you bodybuilding and let's just get you doing weights and look at him now. Big dude, 215. Yeah, monster. Barely any fat on him, but, you know, wait till you see Nicky Ryan. Yeah, so since we are vowing to cover this for the most part for the foreseeable future, this weekend, the World Jiu-Jitsu Festival, we spoke about one matchup, uh, I believe, last week, Gordon Ryan versus Husamal Pajaris. Yeah. As well as Rafael Lovato Jr. versus Richie Martinez. Yeah. Now, if uh, you guys don't know who Richie Martinez is, I didn't either. But quick Google search, black belt under 10th Planet Jiu-Jitsu, former MMA fighter, and probably one of the most known people under 10th Planet. Yeah. So I'm I'm excited for that. Should be good. And, like, I don't know if you saw what was going on on Instagram, but – Nick Rodriguez ended up calling out like this wrestler, and I want to get you the right name so that oh, you know. Yeah, I saw that. But he is—it's like a flow grappling against flow something else. Flow wrestling. Flow wrestling. Yeah. And it's uh Nick Rodriguez versus Pat Downey, USA, um, eighty-six kilogram world team member. Uh, Team USA 2020 Olympic hopeful, and this dude just looks like an animal. Yeah, he's, <laughs> he's a big guy. He's a big dude, and, and that should be exciting. That's happening this weekend. Yeah, it, it's going to be fun. I mean, at the end of the day, these guys continue to test themselves, and it's just a treat for somebody like me to watch. Yeah, shout out to those guys for really marketing themselves. Yeah, I mean, look, I mean, before jujitsu, come on, man, they did it in big stadiums, but nobody would show up because nobody knew it existed. And now, ADCC is like one of the most incredible jujitsu things ever. So. Yeah. So the big thing I heard is that they would run it in like other countries. So now this year, since they ran it in California, it was easily accessible for people to go to, and a lot of people traveled to it. And I was so obsessed with the coverage that I ended up seeking out like a few podcasts who strictly talk about jujitsu. Yeah. And dude, I want to roll. Like somebody teach me jujitsu. I already kind of have somebody 
who I'm planning on meeting up to like teach me a few things. Yeah. <laughs> but I am so psyched to get into this. It's it's a little harder to follow, not as accessible, but I will try my hardest too. Hey man, I mean, look, at the end of the day, you're most likely going to fall in love with it very quickly. I mean, it's it's a beautiful art, man, and it, it changes the way you think about not just like, you know, defending yourself from martial arts, but it make it, it makes you change the way you think about life. Like, honestly, it changed the way I thought about life. You know, I, I thought just being a tough guy and looking tough was enough. But uh, the guy wearing, you know, ripped jeans and sandals would probably be a third degree black belt at Target and break your arm in like 15 places. Mm-hmm. So there's no such thing as being a tough guy. Like with jujitsu, it also teaches you like insane discipline. So it's something you should definitely look into. That's what's up. I am excited for that. Let's get into some fight announcements for this week. Um, Kevin, uh, stop me if you're excited or have anything to say. <laughs> Kevin Lee versus Gregor Gillespie. Very excited. Yes, <laughs> that is an incredible fight. Uh, Kevin Lee coming back down to 155, something that we spoke about. Could he contend? You believe that he has a chance. So I guess we're going to see when he's facing maybe the most underrated fighter in the 155-pound division. Oh, yeah. Sergio Pettis versus Kai Kara France. Edmund Shabazian versus Brad Tavares. Wait, you did get the news about Pettis and Kai Kara France, right? What happened? Okay, so that fight right now is on hold because Sergio Pettis' contract is up. He right now he's exploring free agency, so they don't know if this fight's actually gonna happen or not. Oh wow! They're waiting to hear on what Sergio Pettis says. So, it all depends on what Bellator One Championship is trying to do. So let's see who's gonna put up. Yeah, I mean he he just put together like a few wins, so I don't know how big of a name Sergio Pettis is, but I guess we'll see. Yeah, I mean, he's an exciting fighter, but he's kind of always been the guy to get to that point and then lose. So we'll see what happens. Maybe he'll get more money somewhere else, but you never know. Because, you know, these fighters have been shaking up like MMA. Look at Gegard. Yeah. (laughs) No one saw that coming. Nobody. So Edmund Shabazian versus Brad Tavares. Um, Cyborg versus Julia Budd. You said that that should be the first fight. There you go. January. Uh, finally, for December, Colby Covington versus Kamara Usman. Um, Shogun versus Sam Alvey. Randa Marcos versus Ashley Yoder. Other notable names, just two. Henan Barrow and Tracy Cortez. She was a Tuesday Night Contender standout. This girl is an animal. Wait till you see this chick. All right. Let's talk about Bellator, Andre. Um, Nothing too crazy. You know, for all those events, you know, they had three events, three cards. And, you know, I didn't take away too much from it. MVP destroys a nobody. Um, The McLeese. What a story that is. Yeah. AJ McKee and Antonio McKee on the same card, both finishing their opponents. How good did AJ McKee look? Man. About as good as you could look in four seconds, you know? Yeah, pretty much. And then the wrap-up of the Grand Prix. So let's go over the bracket real quick. Um, if you guys haven't heard, please go back to Wednesday's Wednesday's special episode, our interview with Zedekiah Montanez. After the fact, Zedekiah spoke with us and said, hey, send us, send me five names of the best featherweights in the world. So here you go, Zed. I'm going to give you eight from Bellator. Let's go over this bracket. For December 2019, the matchup will be AJ McKee versus Derek Campos. For January to, uh, 2020, the matchup will be Adam Boric versus Darian Caldwell. Darian Caldwell taking out your boy, Henry Corrales. Crazy. Yeah. February 2020, it will be Daniel Weichel versus Emmanuel Sanchez. And March 2020, it will be Patricio Pitbull versus Pedro Calvallo. Patricio successfully defending his title against Juan Archuleta. Did you have any – what do you think about that fight? I mean, 
you know, I think it was one of those fights where Patricio just did what he had to do. He understood that, you know, um, Juan Archuleta is very dangerous. Yeah, he's very well-rounded, great footwork, but he just shut that down. <laughs> he shut it down completely. Like, Juan Archuleta couldn't do anything to him. I mean, the takedowns were unsuccessful. I, I mean, he just did what a champion had to do. And I respect his performance because he fought, like, one of the toughest guys around. And he just, just stopped him. Yeah. So, yeah, hats off to him. Great performance. Yeah, we will see. I think Juan Archuleta will be back eventually. But this tournament's going to take a while. So, yeah. he probably won't get a title f- for at least another year. Yeah. Let's go over UFC Copenhagen. Um, Jack Hermanson versus Jared Cadenier in a start at the bottom. OSP gets another Von Flu choke. Um, how long before they rename this? I think that they should rename it already. I mean, the OSP choke sounds pretty dope. I ain't going to lie. Yeah, congrats to him on getting that win. Ian Kudalaba versus Khalil Roundtree. You were so hyped about this matchup. Um, talk about this fight because you were pretty excited on Twitter. I was truly heartbroken. I was heartbroken. I, for some reason, really believe that, like, Khalil was, like, a monster now. Like, that tie style was just, like, boom. That's what he needed. And Kudalaba was just, like, yeah, come back down to earth. <laughs> I'm, about, I'm about to beat this shit out of you. And he did. I mean, look, Ian Kudalaba is a really good fighter. So I, I just think that the game plan – that Khalil had just wasn't the right one for Ian Kudalaba. I mean, because the dude's a black belt in judo and all that stuff. I mean, he's a good grappler. He just doesn't show it because he likes to bang. So, mm-hmm. But, hey, great performance from Ian and, and definitely puts him back into that uh, place where he can fight top 10 fighters now. So, good. Yeah, for certain. Mark Madsen versus Danilo Bellardo. Oh. So this is something, you know, we made the joke and – Obviously, I understand that he's a big star over there, but it still didn't make any sense to me that he was the co-main event. That being said, he dominated his fight. Now, Andre, I have one question for you. Can Mark Madsen contend at this time? Yeah, yeah, I think he can. Um, He kind of has that style that like uh, Sarah McMahon had in her early days in the UFC. Like, it was a straight one-two and then shoot in for a takedown, and she definitely would get it. But um, this dude is, he's a monster. Uh, it was pretty clear that the dude he was fighting was way outmatched before the fight even started. I mean, look, this dude was fight he was wrestling at a higher weight class. To then come down to 155, like, it almost wasn't fair how easily he got this guy to the ground. But you know what, I mean... If this guy is good, is as good as he looks on paper, I mean, we could very well see him in the top ten by the end of this year. Yeah, so he's fighting at 155. We're talking about a tough division, but this dude's an Olympic silver medalist. Yeah, and that's not – that's just – people may hear silver and they're like, oh, he didn't get gold. You have no idea how hard it is to get silver in the Olympics. I mean – these people train four years at a time to get to that one moment. So for him to get silver medal, that's a big deal. Yeah, for certain. And let's talk about the main event really quick. Jack Hermanson versus Jared Cannonier. Now going into this fight, I just thought Jack Hermanson looked so good against Jacare that he he had the tools to take this into deep waters and probably, you know, finish him off. But, Jer- like I said, Jared Cannonier on my notes, it says patience over pressure. Jack Hermanson was swarming Jared Cannonier, and Jared Cannonier picked his shots and was able to finish him in the second round. And not only that, he completely just negated his ground game, and it was just because he was smart. You know, when Jack started to go for the neck, you know, I mean, Jared just did the smart thing. He just rolled the other way. He was like, no. <laughs> And he just did the right things. He he was smart, and that uppercut, Jesus Christ, that was not a fluke. That was planned. He knew that Jared would drop his head, and he just went, good night. <laughs> but, hey, like, look, Jared is a monster, and he's going to continue to dominate. Uh, I don't know how well he'll fare against, like, you know, Robert and Israel and Paulo Costa and Yoel Romero, but 
I think he's got a good shot to do well against those guys now seeing what he did to Jack. So, you know, we'll see what happens in the future. Yeah, we will see. We also had Art of War. We made a big deal out of this last week. I'm going to plug it again. Please go back to Wednesday's episode. We had an interview with featherweight contender Zedekiah Montanez. Let's start off with him. He overcomes an early barrage of takedown attempts and ends up finishing on the feet. Andre, how fantastic did he look? Oh, really fantastic. Just in a different array of strikes. Very versatile, and uh, he looked a lot stronger this fight. But, um, you know, he finished Matt Turnbull. I'm, I'm sorry, Matt Turnbull. BJ Putnam, I think his name, right? Uh, or something like some, that. Whatever, Mike yeah. Putnam. Yeah, something. But he ended up finishing Bellator him. Bellator veteran. Bellator veteran, yeah. He ended up finishing him with a spinning back elbow that was gorgeous. And this dude just fell. He fell. It was It was over. Yeah, it was over right from that. Then we had Matt Turnbull, who you just talked about. Yeah. He dominates in a decision victory, just overwhelms the guy. Congrats to him. I hope that he continues to go up. Um, and then Andre Petrowski in the main event. He gets the first round submission with a Kimura that looked devastating. Oh, yes. Yeah, this dude is big. He's like, he just looks like an animal. I'm excited to see more of him at 185. Absolutely. Yeah, so let's get into the fights happening this weekend. Really quickly, Andre Kurishkov versus Lorenz Larkin for Bellator. Other notable fighters on that card, Joe Schilling, Carrie Taylor Melendez, if you guys don't know, that is Gilbert Melendez's wife, and Sada Wad. So Bellator, that is Friday night tonight when you guys are listening to this. And then Saturday night, the main event, the biggest card. Dude, I was so excited for this. I talked about this card two weeks ago thinking that it was happening last week. Like, I was so excited. And again, Andre, how excited are you? Super excited. <laughs> so first off, let's go over some of the notable names. Uh, Mackie Patolo, a.k.a. Coconut Bombs. He is a Tuesday Night Contender Series standout. This dude is a problem. Please tune into that fight. We also have Diego Lima. That is the two notable names fighting. Then we have Tai Tuivasa versus Sergey Spivak. Hopefully Tai Tuivasa can get back on the right track. That dude's exciting, but he just, you know, sometimes gets beat up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, he's one of those fighters that's either, you know, he beats people up or he gets beat up. But, hey, I mean, super exciting. And you can't, you can't, you know, keep him away from this car. This is a big deal. Yeah. Know? he. I mean, most of his fights have been in this area. Yeah. He said, so he is excited once again to fight in this area. Then we have the co-main event, Al Iaquinta versus Dan the Hangman Hooker. This, somebody said this has Fight of the Night written all over it. I think this is going to be a war because Al Iaquinta does not sit down and Dan Hooker does not stop moving forward. No, it's it's going to be incredible. Anybody who's listening to this now, please tune in to the co-main event. It's gonna be it's gonna be wild. Yeah, but we all know why we're all here, Andre. Um, this year you put me onto this guy, Israel, the last style bender Adesanya. He is facing Robert Whitaker to unify the belts. Uh, middleweight title fight, Andre. Can you talk about Israel Adesanya? Because I think that he is the fastest rising star in mixed martial arts right now. If you can think of anybody who has risen faster than him, please let me know. Nobody. There's nobody. I mean, the guy has risen faster than John Jones himself. That's a lot to be said. Yeah. John Jones is literally the leader right now as the youngest heavyweight champion. And this man... And he did it fast. Israel smoked him. Here's the thing. Israel Adesanya is a problem at 185. He's six foot four, 80-inch reach, with a wealth of experience in kickboxing and has spent countless hours in the gym working on takedown defense and, and grappling in general. I mean, we saw that in his last fight. 
He's he's very smart when it comes to his yeah. fight IQ. He saw a chance. Remember, he grabbed the guillotine. He took the back of a animal wrestler yeah. in Kelvin Gaslam. Yep. I watched that fifth round again. It was crazy. I could. I got goosebumps. I couldn't tell you how many times I've seen that fight and how many times I will not get tired of it. Yeah, you can't. I mean, there's just something inside of Israel, and you can see it in the fifth round. He just took a couple deep breaths like that and looked at Kelvin, went like that, and that's when you knew it was over. He And he said it himself. He's like, look, I looked at him, and I said, you're not beating me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's going to need that same spirit against Robert because Robert – you give Robert, you give Robert one opening, one opening, and your legs wobble. That's it. Extremely dangerous striker. And and it's not just that he's dangerous; he's very unorthodox. Something that I know that Israel probably hasn't seen since his days kickboxing. I mean, he's going to be fighting a guy not just with one punch knockout power, but has an incredible jab. Loves to go with the head kicks. Is very unorthodox head kicks at that. It looks like a karate head kick. But the man is relentless, and he has excellent grappling, too. Yeah. He's a black belt in Hapkido, a black belt in Koju Ryu Karate, yep. as well as a brown belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Yeah. So let, let's be honest here. I love Israel. I love Robert. Both of these guys got their hands full. I mean, this is a pick fight. This really will be a war. This has to be fight of the night because this fight is going to end with who wants it more. And we will see that Saturday night. And I'm so excited because it was just like Marlon versus Henry Cejudo. You didn't know what the hell was going to happen. Mm-hmm. But the reality is that we get to see it Saturday. And you will all be amazed because somebody's going to come out on top and be the greatest middleweight right now in this era. So if I asked you what was Robert Whitaker's last loss, do you know? Steven Wonderboy Thompson. Yep. At one seventy. TKO. And he really didn't even get finished that viciously. That was the only time ever that he was on a losing streak. Who'd he lose to before that? <sighs> Damn. It's a notable know. name. Damn. I don't even know. <laughs> Court McGee. Wow. By split decision. Split. That's Court In McGee's 2013. game. 2013. <laughs> That's Court McGee's game, though, man. Court McGee won't destroy you, but he'll definitely outpoint you. Yeah, so Israel Adesanya, fastest growing star in MMA history. It's clear that John Jones tried to ruffle his feathers this week. Yeah, you know, at the end of the day, John Jones is upset. You know, a guy I was, he was trying to argue with me on Twitter. He said, "What do you mean Israel's more popular than John Jones? He's got three more, three million more followers than him." I'm like, nobody knew who Israel was 14 months ago. He's only three million followers away from one of the greatest fighters of all time. That's how popular he is. So shut up. The man is a rising superstar. He's done something that nobody's done in the UFC. Okay? Simple as that. The only guy to truly match that but not get a title shot is Neil Magny. But Neil Magny wasn't fighting the level of contenders that Israel was. I mean, let's let's list off the names, really. He faced Robert Thomas, I believe, you know, in his first fight. And then after that, uh, who was it else? He fought uh, Marvin Vittori. Then You're he talking f- about Neil Magny, right? No, no, no. We're talking about Israel. Israel. You know, after that, he goes against Brad Tavares, a, a, an ultimate fighting champion veteran. Then he faces Derek Brunson, a monster. Then he faces the greatest of all time, Anderson Silva. Then he faces the number one contender, Kelvin Gastelum, and he beats all of them. Come on, man. I'm sorry, but I'd still put my money on Israel if he fights John Jones after this. Yeah, here's the thing. I'm not putting any money on this fight because it is even money. But, dude, I think Israel is going to put on a clinic. Like, Robert's going to come out just like Kelvin where he's so ready to but knock I, him out, yeah. Uh, to knock him out. But I just feel it in my heart that Israel's just going to have this game plan and this finishing instinct about him. I will tell you the key to victory for both fighters. Israel has to, obviously, like most fighting fans know, he has to fight on the outside and he has to use his kicks. But it can't be like, he, he can use roundhouses, but he has to set him up with punches. His this, The key to this fight is leg kicks and front kicks. He's got he's got to hurt 
Robert to the body. He's got to get him tired. He's got to make him think about every advance. And once he does that, he'll pick him apart. Because Robert will be afraid. Like, damn, like he's already busted up my ribs. I don't want to just shoot in and he hits me with a knee. That's what he has to do. And if Rob tries to take him down, he's got to punish him. You know, like he can't let Rob take him down. Because mm-hmm. Rob is a monster on the ground too. Yeah. But Robert's key to victory is his solid jab. And it's got to be a power jab. He's got to bust Israel up. Because if he does that, Israel will retreat more, which will allow Robert to get more openings while he's running towards him. Yeah. Now, obviously, he doesn't want to get sniped, so he has to be smart, use head movement, and use footwork. And one of the techniques he has to use is the switching. Now, just like Gennady Golovkin did for most of his career, that switching stances in the middle of punches, it that really will confuse a fighter. Yeah. And he has to do that against Israel. He has to get Israel to move a certain way. That, like, let's say, for example, he fakes an overhand, gets Israel to shift that way. Once he switches, he has to throw a big left hand. He has to catch him off guard. Because if not, Israel's just going to he's gonna slip, he's going to bob and weave, and he's going to land shots on you while you're throwing, and he's going to snipe him. But either way, this is going to be a high-level fight. So it's either going to be a war or this is going to be a five-round fest where it's going to be, like, a little boring in the beginning. But yeah. We don't know. I don't I don't see it that way at all, especially the way Israel's been fighting as of late. Yeah, he's a killer, man. My only reason why I say that is because it will be hard for both guys to kind of figure each other out. Rob's not easy to figure out. I mean, he's very unorthodox, like I was saying before. But Israel, is, he's hard to get in on. Like, you really have to lunge at him to hit him. And that's what he's good at. He's good at making you miss and making you pay. So, overall, this is going to be an excellent fight, and I can't wait. Yeah, a year and eight months, Israel has been in the company. And he's already secured one, two, three performance of the night's bonuses and two fight of the night bonuses. I don't expect this one to be any different. Absolutely not. The last style bender. I can't wait to watch this, Andre. We will talk about the results next week. Before we do go, though, I just want to leave you with one last piece of news that I missed that I think you're going to be like, whoa. Vanderlei Silva is expected to announce his signing with Bare Knuckle FC during their upcoming event, BKFC 8, on 10-19. Okay. <laughs> The Axe Murderer uh-uh. signing to Bare Knuckle FC, Andre. To probably get knocked out by a bum. Nobody. <laughs> okay. Good luck, Vanderlei. This has been your boy, Elroy. I am Josh Prep Egina. You can find me on all forms of social media at Elroy Prepson. One word. Andre? Everyone, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter as my you know, nickname Flow State Dre, all lowercase. And you can also find me on Facebook as my regular name, Andre Rodriguez. Thank you, everyone. Yes, you can also find the show on Instagram at YBEMMA Podcast. Please give us a follow. Do me a favor if you like the show, five star ratings and reviews. Enjoy the fights this weekend. If it's your birthday, happy birthday, and we'll catch you next week.